We're in the middle of a series called uh, The Wonder. You can find it all at forward slash The Wonder. And it's trying to open up some of the truths that often remain hidden to us, even at Christmas time. There are the things that we know about the story that we instantly think about. But usually behind everything that we think that we know lies something else, a deeper truth that we have to pause and reflect upon, that we have to look a little closer, uh, sink in a little deeper in order to understand. If you're a, a Twitter fan, then you can tweet away. If you're a Facebook guru, then you can check in and uh, follow us in those places. Jesus was a liberator. That's what they called him. That's what they expected. When they said the Messiah one day will come, they were expecting someone that would liberate them, for that's what Messiah means. And it seems for us a long way off what was going on all those years ago in distant Palestine. But we need a liberator. We need someone that's going to help us unlock those things that we know we cannot unlock ourselves. I think I'm more aware this year than ever of the heartache that lies beneath the surface in so many of our lives that this time of year emphasizes, accentuates, or underlines regrets disappointments, hurts, failures of others or ourselves, guilt, shame, and it aches and it hurts. And we're grateful for times in the year like this when we can busy ourselves with activities and moments that stir our hearts. We, we can in the, in the strap line of those very early lottery scratch cards We can forget it all, but for an instant. And that maybe is the problem. As we seek to forget it all for an instant, we we rise into the middle of January and those things that were so real in 2013 are just as real, if not stronger, in the year that lies ahead. And so the Bible anticipates year after year, page after page, that one day there will be a liberator. Someone who will help free us from those things that we cannot free ourselves from. But how? How would the liberator set us free? How would he do it? The wonder of how. How did he rescue us from the mess and the muddle of our lives? How does he make liberation possible? And can I be free? even today. The most famous verse in the Bible reads like this, for God so loved the world that he gave. And we think at this time of year about God giving the gift of a baby, and and rightly so. That is the wonder. The wonder is that God gave his one and only son. But the mystery is deeper And it's looking even within the Christmas story if we care to stop and look a little deeper for it. For the wonder is not so much that God gave his son to live, 
The wonder is deeper still that God should give his son in order to die. And lurking within the story are reminders, not one, not two, but on every page, on every little section of the story, pointing us forward to the day when the Son that God gave would not just live for us, but would one day die for us. Think with me for a moment about Joseph. He was the dad in the story, Joseph, Mary, and baby Jesus. And we know that Joseph faced an awful reality. We know that he had to face the choice of marrying Mary, even though she was pregnant, with all the shame, all the complications, all the questioning, all the doubt that that would have inevitably brought. And we commend Joseph. Because he listened to what God would say to him. And he took Mary as his wife anyway. Believing what God through his spirit would say to him. But there was a more awful reality for Joseph. Not only is your wife already pregnant. But when this son that you will raise as your own. That you will laugh with and weep with. That you will care for day and night. This son you are to name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. And that sounds like good news to us. But everybody in Jewish times. Knew that God was able to forgive sin. But how? How did God forgive sin? They knew through the pages of the Old Testament that God forgave sin only through sacrifice. So what Joseph heard that day would have sounded in his ear, would have spoken to his heart something like this. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will die for his people's sins. Which, of course, is why the shepherds came, the most obvious of visitors. The shepherds were those, as you've heard me say before, that had the responsibility for looking after the sheep in the Bethlehem fields. They were the sheep that would be used in the temple for sacrifice in order for sins, for wrongs, to be put right, for sins to be forgiven. At every birth, you need a midwife. These shepherds were the midwives of baby lambs that would make their way to sacrifice at one year old in the temple. Not just any visitors, but a reminder of why he came and how he would be the liberator for which we all long. The wise men, of course, brought three very pertinent gifts. There was gold, of course, for a king. There was frankincense, which was for worship, a reminder that in an incredible way that the chasm between God and man could be breached, could be, that God and man could be reconnected. So not only was it gold telling us who he was, they gave frankincense to remind us what he came to do, and then they gave him myrrh to remind us how he would do it. The spice that was used to wrap a body ready for its burial. And so the story goes on. On every turn, a reminder that the mystery is not just that God gave us His Son to live, but that God should give us His Son to die. 
It was just eight days old into Jesus' life, and they went to the temple in order to uh, present baby Jesus, a service of dedication, of thanksgiving. And the wise old guy, Simeon, who'd waited all his life for the coming of the liberator, spoke these words to Mary, incredibly insensitive, really. Mary, this son of yours will cause you pain and anguish. This son of yours will cause your own soul to be pierced. The Bible says that in response to that hard word and to all these other signs that Mary pondered these things in her heart. I want to invite you just in these moments to to ponder these things with me. Will you? Think about these things this Christmas. Or perhaps to ask the question another way. Do you need to be rescued from something today? Do you need to be set free from a situation that you know you cannot free up yourself? In fact, as you look back over 2013, maybe you hit this end of the year somewhat emotionally exhausted. Because at the beginning of the year, with great enthusiasm, you thought, if only I try a little bit harder this year, I will be able to find the freedom for which I'm looking for. If only this or if only that. And you've come to the end of this year somewhat disillusioned, somewhat exhausted. Do you need to be rescued from anything this Christmas time. A relationship, a doubt, a fear, a guilt, a pain, a hurt, thoughts that you can't escape from, feelings that you're unable to overcome. They waited with incredible excitement because they knew that one day a liberator would come. And then one day, there in that stable, the liberator was born. Ultimately the gift of a life that would change the world and a death that can change you and me forever. How would he do it? He would take your doubts and your mistakes and your failures and your disappointments. He would take my doubts and my failures, my mistakes, my disappointments, my inadequacies. And he would take them to that cross. And there at the age of 33 outside the city of Jerusalem, just as they'd been saying for thousands of years, the liberator would die. And the mystery is this, that in his death, life exploded. And just to make certain that everyone understood, three days later, he rose again. If Jesus came to rescue. What do you need him to rescue you from at this Christmas time? Will you ponder these things like Mary? You see, in the end, she'd learned to treasure them, the Bible says, in her heart, ever so painful for her. But she could see the beauty in a God who was coming to rescue those who couldn't rescue themselves. As Anna and Tim lead us, let's ponder for a moment.